Welcome to Emil Franzing's Voices of the West, dedicated to the principle that America was better off when our TV shows featured cowboys instead of lawyers. Welcome to another edition of Amo Franzi's Voices of the West. Harry Alexander in Bunker de France here. Yep. Todd Roberts up at the Grand Canyon Wait, this time. Yep. Howdy, Todd. Yes, indeed, gentlemen. Thank you. And we are uh, streaming live to you from the White Stallion Ranch. Beautiful. Located, beautiful. Beautiful. Located just north of Tucson. Check them out. North Go to the north website. Just north, north of Marana. Freeway, easy access. Just Google them and come here and come visit and come watch us do our show. And you know, this <laughs> For is one a thought. of the, the neat things about this place is when you're here, you've got no idea there's a, a, a city of half a million people just over the hill. And it's thank like God for that. Out, you're out in paradise. <laughs> and thank God for that. Amen. You know, I, I uh, we're, we're going to get to the meat and potatoes here in just a second. I got to I got to tell you guys, driving out here. I mean, lots of twisty winds out there. The wind is blowing quite a bit. A lot of twisty winds happening out there. And for those of you who don't know what the hell a twisty wind is, you need to consult your Festus Hagen dictionary. <laughs> uh, I'll tell you, one of the results of a twisty wind is a rooster in a bottle. In a joke, yes, And right. that, too. You now, ever see it blow a rooster into a bottle? See. Um, but it, it reminded me so much of the pioneers going across the country uh, in ye olde days, because there's there's all kinds of stuff that is uh, laying beside the interstate couches and and uh, bureaus, and, little grave markers. And, well, Arizona that too. Is famous, you drive, especially when you get off the freeway, but when you drive the streets, yeah, uh, grave little, markers, little graves, uh, roadside markers where somebody croaked. But anyway, it, it yeah. reminded me of the time when the the uh, the pioneers were tossing stuff out of the covered wagons just to. Because the covered wagon was too heavy, and you know, as you see those dressers and uh, couches and whatnot on the side of the road. But if you just think, you know, if you had followed them uh, with, the, with the big wagon train, if you empty, you could fill it up with antiques or curb mart, curb mart shopping. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're gonna do uh, today is the uh, birth date of uh, the great Gary Cooper. And we're going to be doing his uh, filmography and talking about him in just a moment. But first, I need to tell you about uh, an event that is happening next Saturday, the 14th, from 8 a.m. to 2 p.m. And it is uh, our friends Orson Around Rescue. They're having a giant tax sale. It's a fundraiser. Over 30 Western saddles available. uh, English and Australian saddles, headstalls, reins, girths, stirrups, leathers. Pads, riding crops, much more. Uh, for thirty western sa- over thirty western saddles, you can find breast collars, cinches, bridles, bits, reins, and blankets as well. Uh, stable and horse supplies, mounting blocks, corner feeders, stall guards. I've always been needing one of those. Uh, grooming supplies, shipping boots, leg wraps, turnout blankets, halter and lead ropes, saddle stands, saddle bags, hobbles, and bunches of accessories. And for just the plain old horse enthusiast, you can find gloves, spurs, chaps, books, horse-related artwork, and miscellaneous. And they're going to have a special raffle as well. All benefits for this uh, particular raffle fundraiser benefit horses in need. And uh, Horse and Around Rescue, it is a uh, uh, 501c3 uh, outfit. Uh, Steve Boyce uh, takes care of rehabilitating horses. And I just want you to know that a stable guard is not an honest henchman. No. Find out more at uh, Horsen Around, and that's Horsen, H-O-R-S-E-N-A-A-R-O-N-D, rescue.org. Horsenaroundrescue.org. Or just go to our website, and you'll see our uh, thevoicesofthewest.net, and there is a uh, banner there where you can just click on them and uh, go for there. There you go. So... With that out of the way... Happy birthday, Gary Cooper. Happy <laughs> birthday, Gary Cooper. Happy birthday, Mr. Cooper. It's high noon. Print the legend. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Gary Cooper, born this day in 1901. Mr. DeFrance, take it away. Well, where do you want me to take it? Okay, well, How about the go. beginning? Okay, well, he was born in <laughs> Helen, Montana. Uh, his salad days... 
is spent in the silent movies supporting Tom Mix, Buck Jones, Jack Holt, Franklin Farmer, Richard Dick, Ben Wilson, Jack Hoxie, Ellen Hedgewood, some gals she snuck him in there, Buffalo Bill Jr., after a whole bunch of those, and I mean, he he worked with Tom Mix, Buck Jones, doubled some of these guys. Uh, he was a stunt rider, too. Oh, that's, yeah, yeah, well, that was it. He used to make, as an extra, he made $5 a day. As a stunt rider, he made $10 a day. Wow, big money. Back and, then it was. Yeah, well, I don't know. Well, in the, uh, in the 19s and the 20s, he, he did not serve in World War One, did he? No. Well, he, 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 he would have been old enough. He would have been old enough. Well, but well, you know, he was. It's interesting because uh, his his mom took him and his brother over to England, and they went to school over there for a couple of years. And in 1912, with with you know the Huns getting frisky, uh, she took him back home, and he went to school, high school in uh, Helena, I think it was, and then off to college. Had a car accident, went back to the ranch, and. A lot of people don't realize, you know, he was highly educated. Yeah. But he was a working cowboy, and and he, that looked like it was going to be the path he would follow in life. His dad was a uh, Supreme Court judge in Montana. Uh, something happened in the family, and he moved to uh, California to, to take care of the minister to family estates. And, it, you know... Son, come on down here. We need you or whatever. Yeah. And he got down to California. And, well, of course, you know, he wasn't working much because that was just sometimes what happens. And he ran into an old Montana cowboy that he knew, and they were buddying up. And he introduced him to another guy. Uh, I told you his name. What did I tell his name? Was? I don't remember. Well, I'm let, sorry. Me, let me see if I can find it here. I'm, well, I'll, I'll tell you later. Anyhow, uh, he, the guy introduced him to a casting director, and the casting director started getting his work, mostly extra work. That was uh, uh, Nan Collins, his casting director. Yeah, and uh, oh, what the heck was that guy's name? Anyhow, he was an old rodeo cowboy, and he ended up standing in and doubling, stunt doubling yeah. Coop for over three decades. Well, he did not come to Hollywood as Gary Cooper either. Oh, Frank, Cooper. Uh, Frank Cooper, and it was suggested by his casting person that he change his name to uh, reflect her hometown. No reason. Yeah, yeah, and he liked it, and the rest is history. It's a good thing she wasn't from Aloysius, Pennsylvania. Or Tucson, Arizona. Tucson's not a bad Western name. <laughs> no, it's not a bad Western name, but we'll leave it at that. Well, let's see what else about that he was married to Sandra Shaw. That was her acting name. Uh, I'll get to her real name here later. Uh, he had a daughter, Maria Cooper, Janice. Uh, Janice being her married name. She tried her hand at acting, and she was very successful in uh, the art world. Uh, let's see what else. He won an Oscar for Sergeant York in uh, 1942 and had to be talked into the, playing the role by Alvin York. He spent time with York, and uh, they became very great friends. Both very soft-spoken right. men. Very, very soft-spoken. And let's see, what all on here? Oh, he was nominated five times for an Oscar. Uh, the first time for Mr. Deeds goes to town in 37. The Pride of the Yankees, which, I mean, these are all, these are great films. Movies. For whom the bell toes, which I always like. Movies he, better than the book. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I like the book too. I love the book. Well, see, I'm a Hemingway fan. I can't. I can't see Hemingway. You, you, got, you got this ingrained prejudice. I have no sympathy or love for a man who sticks a shotgun in his mouth. Well, that's his mouth. He has a right I to don't do care. With it, whatever. I he don't wants care. To. I, I'm not, I mean, if he wants to blow his top of his head off, that's his. Problem. That's fine. Whatever. I just don't <laughs> have any respect for that. Ah, uh, you're just a stick in the mud. <laughs> Anyhow, moving along from High Noon, which he won for. He also won an, an honorary Academy Award for his lifetime achievement. He was nominated for the New York Film Critics Award five times, won a bunch, and also didn't win a bunch. Nominated two times for Golden Globes. Uh, what else did he, 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 he do? skip some of these. Well, one of his landmark films is uh, The Winning of Barbara Worth, in yeah. which he was uh, the second lead uh, in, in that particular third movie. Lead. Third lead. And I mean, it's a it's a great movie, no question about it. 
Um, but that's kind of where we start learning more about Gary Cooper. And then he has a bit part in uh, the movie Wings from 1927. And that uh, got him a lot of attention. That got, and it was... It was a very small part when you take into account the entire picture. I watched Wings, and I'm waiting for Coop to show, and it's like midway through, and it's maybe 30, 40 seconds. But, hey, that's okay. Well, you know, one of the things... He's chewing gum. Yeah, yeah. He's chewing gum. One of the things that uh, Cooper was highly photogenic, and the, the movie magazines of the day, once they... They got. They were aware of him. They loved. They loved shooting him because the women responded to him. Todd, what's your take on Gary Cooper? Well, he's he's one of my favorites, uh, without a doubt. Whether it's uh, you know, Farewell to Arms or Lives of the Bengal Lancers, and Mr. Deeds Goes to Town, Meet John Doe. I love tremendously. So Sergeant York, Pride of the Yankees, for whom the bell tolls. Uh, you know. Uh, breaks my heart every time I watch it. The Fountainhead, High Noon, Friendly Persuasion, I love. But, you know, there's a film that I've talked about many times on the show, which is Man of the West, which I just, I, I think he's as good as anybody ever gets in that film. And it goes to show you what a confident actor he was, not to mention a giving actor. If you talk to actors about, how, you know, he was a very generous actor because he's, his his again, has that quiet, self-assured um, calm persona in the film and he's dealing with the personalities of Lee J. Cobb John Denneher and Jack Lord um, and you know they're all over the top and crazy and uh, their characters are total de- de- degenerates and Cooper um, it shows you how confident he is not just in his himself but his acting because he lets them go do that and 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 shall I say, upstage him in a way uh, with their antics. But he just rides an even plane throughout the entire film, and then I think that's what makes it work so well, is the dichotomy between the two. Um, and he was also a very good-looking fella, and uh, he, you know, uh, there's a great photograph called The Kings of Hollywood, which is 1959, New Year's Eve, white tie and tails at Romanoff's in Beverly Hills uh, and you have Jimmy Stewart Gary, from right to left Jimmy Stewart Gary Cooper, Van Heflin and Clark Gable and they're all in white tie and hmm. you know, I want to go back to the winning of Barbara I'll tell for you. a moment because you know there's a flood sequence in that at, at so, the, its climax yeah. of the movie and it's yeah, it is and, spectacular. In fact, it was used in a well, lot of other movies afterwards. But uh, yeah, and and Heflin's looking a little puzzled. I think the joke might have been about him, or he doesn't get it. Mm-hmm. Gable's laughing, and uh, there's this coy face, this coy smile of Cooper, which is so iconic of him. Uh, how he always lived his life. No, no, this is jumping out of sequence, but I think it's just kind of interest interesting. Uh, David Selznick, uh, Cooper was his first choice to play uh, Red Butler, oh. and Cooper turned it down. And then after seeing the movie and seeing Gable in it, he says that was a smart thing I did. He says because he did it so well, better than I would. Yes, he was a very humble yes. man. That, that um, just shows you there. Very humble, and also uh, as, as we've talked about so many times, other than. You know, I think he was the best horse, uh, horseman in all of Hollywood um, because he grew up riding horses. And uh, one of the reasons he, he rides so smooth, as his daughter um, des- describes, is because he was hurt. And yep. he had to ride and sit himself on the horse in such a way that he didn't get that shock uh, through his body, which would only aggravate his injury. That was because and that's why when you... That was because of the car accident, right? Yeah, he had that yes, car accident. Yes. And the doctor yes. said, one, yeah. sent him back to the ranch and said, ride, that's what you need to do. And it didn't, in, in the long run, it didn't help his health. But, you know, and the thing is, though, is people keep forgetting 
he was a working cowboy. His 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 dad owned a ranch, and he worked the ranch. He was you know he wasn't he wasn't a weekend cowboy or a or a, 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 my daddy's rich and I'm playing cowboy like like you sometimes right. see on shows like Yellowstone, but he was the real deal. And when he was in Hollywood working as an extra, that was the people that yeah, he fit right in. He was he was he was just like all the other guys. He, he was kind. He was kind of like a uh, an early Joel McRae, as it were. Yeah. Well, you know, th- this is an interesting thing. Joel McRae always said, you know, that one of the one of the greatest things for him was that Gary Cooper, if he wasn't available or turned down a part, he got it. <laughs> but he was picking. Well, that's true pickups. because they offered Pacific, uh, Western Union to uh, Gary Cooper. He turned it down, and Joel McRae got it. Exactly. Yeah. I wonder what that movie would have been like uh, with Cooper. (laughs) Hey, um, while we ponder that, the significance of that, we're going to take our very first commercial break here on Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. We're talking about Gary Cooper on this day, the 7th of May, which would have been his birthday. We'll be back with much more after this. Arizona, the land of cattle, copper, and cowboys. It's also the true west, where a large number of westerns were filmed. For your next vacation, come out to where Wyatt Earp made a name for himself as a highly respected sheriff. Stay where Jimmy Stewart filmed Winchester 73. That would be the White Stallion Ranch. Situated in the mountains just northwest of Tucson, the White Stallion Ranch is an award-winning dude ranch with 43 guest rooms and the Hacienda. That's a five-bedroom, three-bathroom home, perfect for larger families, family reunions, and girlfriend getaways. Every guest room has a private patio with views of the cactus gardens, mountains, or corrals. Generous floor plans offer sunny, comfortable rooms, but you won't want to stay in your room. Outdoor activities are plentiful at the White Stallion Ranch. Horseback riding, hiking, shooting, archery, rock climbing, e-biking, and a weekly ranch rodeo are among the numerous activities that you'll enjoy on your ranch vacation. Go Western for your next getaway. The White Stallion Ranch. Book your vacation now online at whitestallionranch.com or call 520-297-0252. Are you looking for a smart way to invest your hard-earned dollars? Look no further than Wilkinson Wealth Management. This is an investment firm that works for you based on your expectations, not what the stock market says. This is a firm that wants you as a client, not just as a customer. This is a firm that lets you design a portfolio for when you need it. It's a new name, but the same great service you've come to expect. I, Miss Wilkinson, is now Wilkinson Wealth Management, 7411 East Tank Verde in Tucson, 520-777-1911. America, let me tell you about Sergeant Greg Anderson. Served two tours in Afghanistan, Bronze Star and Purple Heart recipient, and unemployed. The unemployment rate among transitioning service members is unacceptably high, much higher than the general population. Veterans are a proven commodity. They're mature, reliable, and hardworking. They deserve a chance to get back to work after serving their country. Do you really want to honor a veteran? Hire one. Go to legion.org slash honor veterans to find out how you can help. Well, Doc, there must be somebody lying sick or bleeding around here. Well, now, if you just can't stand to see me getting a few minutes hard-earned rest, why don't you go out and shoot somebody? This is the Voices of the West. Hacienda There's a touch of Mexico Cactus lovelier than orchids We are back on Emil Franzi's The Voices of the West Harry Alexander Bunker de France and Todd Roberts uh, He's up at the Grand Canyon this time instead of Los Angeles and uh, who, who is that? Billy Williams and his Cowboy Rangers. Yeah, that steel guitar. My old Adobe yeah. Hacienda. Well, you know, I want I want to jump all the way to I think what was probably. Let me reset the show again. Huh? For those who may have just tuned in. Oh, what? it is Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. It is. By golly, and uh, we are talking about Gary Cooper, 
because I'm today just so enthusiastic. I know because today was uh, May seven was his birthday. Yes, it is. Born in nineteen oh one, so that makes him what one hundred and twenty. I'm a TUSD graduate, oh, so TUSD graduate. That's Tucson Unified School District graduate. So math is always a trouble. <laughs> math? <laughs> What's math? <laughs> I know. Never mind. Two plus two. Two plus two are what? <laughs> I have no idea. Are what? Well, you know, this is this is this is. I came across this and I thought it was interesting. That probably the last thing he did uh, was a documentary, Project Twenty, called The Real West, for NBC. <clears throat> And I think, you know, because it was in 61 in, in March, and, and he died in, what was it? Uh, Shortly thereafter, yeah, in May. March. He died well, in May, you know, this, May 13. Well, this was in April. This was in April. So he died about a month later. Yeah. So this was probably the last thing he did. And I think I saw this. I think I remember it. I'm not positive. But now I want to find it and see it. You know? He never he, narr- he narrated. What else do you want to talk about with, uh, well, with let's Gary see Cooper? Oh, I want to talk about his wife for a minute here. It was Veronica Baffy Cooper, and she acted under the name of Sandra Shaw. But in the late or in the 1930s, she was California's woman skeet shooting champion. Well, and that which leads into the fact that he was an avid, avid hunter. He loved hunting. He used to. He used to love to go hunting with Ernest Hemingway, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> and if Gary Cooper likes Ernest Hemingway, he can't be all bad. Uh, you know, go. That's that's, that's well. That's okay. Uh, I'm going to beat that horse. I know you. Have. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, and it, it's interesting because uh, in the 30s, uh, he had been working real hard, real steady, and he got he was sick. He got he. Lost a lot of weight with jaundice. Uh, he went to Europe and uh, I won't say shacked up, but was uh, staying with Countess, whoever it was, real famous uh, Hollywood party giver and everything, in one of the most elaborate, elaborate, fancy chalets in Rome. But they went on a 10 week safari in East Africa. While he was there, he bagged over 60 critters. Wow. Two lions, a rhinoceros, numerous antelopes. That tells you how much of a hunter he was. Yeah. And he, he loved hunting with uh, Gary Cooper. Uh, that was that special elite club of, of really out Hollywood outdoorsmen. I thought that was kind of neat. Todd? Well, I you know, the thing about Cooper for me has always been, as I said before, that quiet... Um, confidence in, in in his acting and, and the way he carried himself and you see it time and time again and I think that you know I think he's I personally think he's the greatest example of the acting saying that less is more because he didn't have a need to be the brightest bulb on the stage as it were um, he he knew that he could if he delivered his lines with sincerity and um, stayed within his, the boundaries of his character that he was going to come shining through as a truth and that there wasn't going... It, it, it didn't matter how bright the other bulbs were on the stage. He was going to be there for the long haul. He was a lot more like the tortoise than the hare, I guess, is my point. And I think you see that in so many films. Uh, and, and it's in, a very sincere thing, and I think people got it, as you said before, Harry, that, uh, uh, you know, Alvin York talked him into making uh, Sergeant York. And I think that Alvin York knew real people. Um, he wasn't a worldly man, but he was definitely a real man and knew uh, people with real, real feelings and real integrity. Well, you know, he was a consonant every man. You look at the roles that he played. You, Mr. Deed goes to town. Uh, uh, Meet John Doe. Yeah, yeah Meet John Doe. Great movie. He just, you know, you he, know, and and when anybody ever says to me, "Oh, well, you know, God, Gary Hooper's not that great of an actor," <laughs> I always say, "Really? Uh, did you look at any of the directors who made the films he was in?" Yeah, really. Uh, Frank Capra. Uh, Billy Wilder, uh, uh, Seven Billy Pictures Wilder. with Hathaway, um, Cecil B. DeMille, yeah. Cecil B. DeMille. Um, 
and you know, and so many great others. Uh, what do you, you think they took him? They took him on as a bribe. You know, it was a burden to have him in the film. I'm Raoul Walsh. These are guys that didn't take grief from anybody. Much less studio. The funny thing is, they took him voluntarily. And many times he was the first choice of these guys, whether he ended up doing it or not. That tells you something enough right there. And you know, here's not to mention, not to mention the director's bunker, but also look at all the producers. Yeah, Carl Foreman, Stanley Kramer, on and on and on. And you know, uh, the, the, he could have been kicked out of any of those films if he wasn't up the stuff. And you know, it's an interesting thing. If you go through his career during the, the different decades, all of the critics that critiqued his movies all said the same thing. He was natural, he was real, he was realistic. The only time he was criticized was when he was playing parts that weren't that kind of guy, which a lot of that, the criticism came from he wasn't playing what he always plays. Well, he played everything, including cowboys. Hey. But and was not, but was not pigeonholed into a particular genre. And this is one of the neat things too. If you look, especially in the 30s and early 40s, he was doing a ton of comedies, and he was, and he was just so smooth. He's a straight man, great straight man. Well, Ooh, look, you know. look at him in Ball of Fire with yeah. Barbara Stanwyck. Yeah. I mean, he 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 stands right up in the dialogue and interaction with all those the guys that are the, supposedly the the actors that are playing the professors. He, he you believe yeah. him completely. And here's the thing too: you 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 go back and you look at the silence, and he was playing. You know, these were the little teeny parts before he got the break. He was playing tons and tons and tons of sophisticates. You know, the white tie and tail, the tuxedo, you know, the the Madison, not the Madison Avenue, but the Broadway, the penthouse kind of right. guy. And I'll tell you, I, I'm looking at the pictures and I'm going, this he was as smooth as, he was a no, he looked like a Noel Coward. He was just smooth. Yeah. It was very smooth. And it was also at that period of time that you were mentioning, uh, Bunker, when he was in Europe. Um that's also when he learned how to dress, because mm-hmm. he had been, you know, living in jeans and boots all his life, growing up on a ranch in Montana, and he uh, he became a very sophisticated dresser. Well, you know, uh, and, to go back. And, and came back, when he came back to the United States, that's when he got a Duesenberg. So it, 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 it overflowed into other parts of his life. Well, you know, and when you, 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 people forget, too, that he like he spent three years in England, him and his brother going to an English school. Uh-huh. And while he was there, he was also exposed to a very caste conscious society. society. Yep. And it, the family apparently, because of the father's position as a you know, Supreme Court judge in, in Montana, apparently, you know, they were moving in a because they he went to a they went to a very exclusive boys' school and from the descriptions I've read, uh, he wasn't happy there, but he did well. Now, here's a neat thing. You know, uh, of everybody has one now, but Cooper has a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. I don't have one. And this, but this <laughs> Do you is have the, one, Bunker? I don't, I don't have one. Do you have one? Well, you were working on it, Harry. Okay. But it's going to be for the whole show, the three of us. Okay. If we can't get the three of us, we're not taking it. All right. Okay. Now, <laughs> all right, that's fair. I agree with that. Yeah. Is by the way, Bunker, let me ask one question: Is there beef jerky involved? We'll yes. <laughs> okay. See, I'm coming. I'm ready. I'll pick you guys up at the airport. Oh, righty then. <laughs> okay. Uh, in 1966, this is to me is neat. He was inducted into the Western Performers Hall of Fame at the National Cowboy and Western Heritage Museum, and that to me, that's bigger than getting a Pulitzer Prize or an Academy Award. Because you're in there with the best of the best of Western heritage. Let's talk for a brief moment here. We'll be going to break shortly. But uh, Cooper and Gene Arthur in uh, The Plainsman from 1936. Let's talk about that particular movie. Was that, was that a watershed movie for him? Uh, yes and no. You know because because he had done. Uh, after the Virginian, which was the real watershed, okay, uh, he had done only the Brave, which was not well received, and his 
it's one of the pictures a lot they dismiss it he did the Texan following that he did uh, the spoilers the first sound version of right. I think five different versions yeah. he did uh, the fighting caravans which was a uh, kind of a, a follow up or shadow of the covered wagon and I mean this will give you an idea 1700 players 500 English, Indians uh, greatest scenes ever perfect cast uh, and they had uh, Ernest Torrance and Tully Marshall from the original covered wagon but they'd already done the covered wagon yeah. then comes the plainsman and you know that that you know, the plainsman to me is, is like uh, uh, my darling Clementine. Okay. Historically, yeah, but entertaining, yeah. So it does not hold as much significance. No, it does. Oh, it does. as as much though. I mean, when when I say that, it's like it's like saying you know, darling Clementine doesn't hold much significance because it's not historically accurate. No, no, but no. But that's no. wrong because yeah, it's yeah. it's it's at the pinnacle. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right, well, let's do it our... It is a pinnacle, and I would agree with that. All right, then let's do our next commercial break here. On Emil Franzi's Voices of the West, we're talking about Gary Cooper. Today would be his birthday, born in 1901. We'll be back after this. Can you even imagine switching back to pen and paper to run your business? Every year, we become more and more dependent upon our technology. If your network is not set up properly, you're just one click or one email away from losing data critical to your operation. Arizona Computer Guru offers a host of services to prevent and protect you from disaster. From online backup services to email filtering to fully managed network services, Arizona Computer Guru is here to keep your network secure, your data safe, and your budget in the black. To schedule your free consultation, call 304-8300. The Tucson Trap and Ski Club dates from 1948 and is now at 7800 West Old Ajo Highway. The club owns 80 acres and leases 300 more from Pima County that supports 50 trap fields, 15 ski fields, two five-stand fields, two sporting place courses with 12 stations each, a 9,000-square-foot clubhouse, 200 full-service RV hookups for members, and free Wi-Fi. This expansive facility gives enough room to host major national and international events annually, bringing thousands of people to the community. Check it out at TucsonTrapAndSkeet.com. You've got some cattle you want rustled, but don't have enough henchmen of your own to do the job. A little lady up the road apiece won't strike a deal with you about water rights. You out there! Come one step near and old Bess here will spit right in your eye. So you need to strike your own deal, but you need the right henchmen to do the job. The stage is hauling a Wells Fargo box loaded with gold. You've got the perfect spot to liberate that gold, but like henchmen to pull off the job. What to do? You better start packing a handgun. Call Red a Hench. We're a bad guy rental agency. We provide you with enough scruffy henchmen to tackle any job with specific directions. Just listen to what Red a Hench users have to say. Well, you know, when I joined Red a Hench, I was trained by Bud Osborne, Charlie King, and some of the best head henches there ever was. And I'm going to guarantee you that you cannot hench without the proper henches around you. And that's just a gentle hench. When you need sheer numbers of henchmen, call us. We specialize in stage holdups, water right disputes, squatter troubles, cattle rustling, and much more. Our red henchmen may not be able to think their way out of a paper bag, but they sure can follow directions, and they won't sing to the law about you if they get caught. See our ad in the Saturday Evening Post or Harper's Weekly. Hey, not only that, when you're in the Long Branch and you want to go next door to Doc's to get that bullet out of your shoulder, get a Renahance to sit there on your place and keep your whiskey warm while you're gone. Renahance, when you need bad guys to do bad guy stuff so you can keep your hands clean. You let me do the work. You're not going to use the story, Mr. Scott? No, sir. This is the West, sir. When the legend becomes fact, print the legend. This is the Voices of the West. We are talking about printing the legend. No, I was just thinking, you know, when, when said, you know, we definitely are not the legend. <laughs> no, we are not the legend. You know, we're, 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 the, we're talking about the legend. We're the myth. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. Harry Alexander, Bunker de France, and Todd Roberts. We're talking the legend here, Gary Cooper. And uh, today would uh, was his uh, would have been his birth date, uh, May 7 of 1901. Now, I want to go back or stay with the Plainsman for a minute here. Uh, one of the things is you asked if this film was important. 
and this is considered the film that established him as a Western hero. And just to, I want to give you an idea of you know, Gene Arthur was in it playing Calamity Jane. Charles Bickford was just a hoot as the gun-running villain. It also had uh, Jimmy Ellison from the Hoppy movies. Uh, Gabby Hayes was in it. Uh, Anthony Quinn was the Cheyenne Warrior. They shot it out at the Iverson Ranch and on the Kern River. They were in Montana at Bernie and Beecher's Island and in Laramie, Wyoming. And, you know, and this is the funny thing. With all those locations, the bill who directed it hated shooting outdoors. And so there was a lot of interior process shots and stuff like that. But uh, they, did, they, they did an admirable job. Doing it. So a lot of second unit stuff happening on location then, right? See, that's that's an interesting thing about DeMille. He loved shooting two units, which meant that he was directing and somebody else was directing. And he did that all throughout his career. And uh, and like I said, he did, he did not like going out. He liked being in a huge soundstage or just a huge set, like, you know, like his... Biblical epics, yeah, you know, which yeah. had to be outdoors because the sets were so big. But, yeah, well, he was in control of everything. Yeah, oh yeah. DeMille was, was in control of everything. He was in control, control of the weather. Yeah. He was, he was in control of the lighting. He was in. He didn't. He was not. He was God. You know, I, I remember when I when I when I was uh, when I when my father and I ran Santa Clarita Studios out in Valencia. And uh, I was going through the desk that some other people had used in the executive offices. And I came across a set of index cards. And on each card was written on one side the title of someone. The director, the producer, the screenwriter, the cinematographer, the key grip, the, the best boy, on and on and on of different people. And on the other side was a definition, sometimes straightforward and very very plain and very sterile and other times there was a definition that was a little more shall I say uh, let me drive the point home with a, uh, a, a big sledgehammer uh, of what that title meant so when you when you when you when I came across the director index card I I thought oh director I know what that is and I turned it over and all it said on the back was God, <laughs> and 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 that was Demille. Yeah. Uh, other guys were a little more willing to negotiate or willing to be, uh, shall I say, uh, subject to the weather Human. or use the weather there to their advantage, like right. Ford did so yeah. many times. Yeah. But Demille had no patience for that. Demille. I need to get this film made. I need to get it made now. I don't want to waste any time on the the sun going away in the cloud or the rain <laughs> showing up or you, you know I have overcast clouds and now all of a sudden the clouds go away because of the wind or whatever the problem was he also was in control of the actors in this respect mm -hmm. because he had them on the stage they couldn't go anywhere the set was closed often the doors were closed the light was the the red cherry light was spinning on the outside of the doors of the sound stage so you know, we're yours. still working. We're, yeah, we're still shooting here. Where are you going? Um, so that you know, he he had he was in control of everything, or as much as he thought he was. And well, I think that you know, for somebody like him, you know, uh, it, it it might be harder as we watch some of those films. But I think what happens is is that Cooper brings such a realism to it that we forget about the fact that it's all on a soundstage. Did your dad have any uh, dealings with Gary Cooper during his career? Todd? No, but he loved Cooper. Okay. He, he, no, he didn't have any dealings with him, but as I've said to you guys so many times, I was influenced in, 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 the, in the space and the realm of my father and my older brother's films that they liked, Marla Darling Clementine, uh, Trapeze with Burt Lancaster, Veracruz with Burt Lancaster, From Here to Eternity with Burt Lancaster, uh, Friendly Persuasion uh, with Gary Cooper, uh, Pride of the Yankees, uh, Sergeant York, uh, The Westerner, The Plainsman, The Man of the West, High Noon, uh, and my dad loved Cooper as an actor. All, uh, always it was one of his favorites, and um, I still have that same feeling and sentiment towards him today.
You know, there's a sidebar about DeMille. When he was making the Crusades, uh, he had a huge cast, and he was using uh, a, a couple of companies of U.S. Army Cavalry and all of the Hollywood Cowboys. And he was constantly putting the Cowboys down in front of the Army troopers and playing them against each other because one side was uh, Christian Knights and the other was Saracens. Uh, okay. So, but the Cowboys got so fed up with it that they made two attempts on DeMille's life. <laughs> Both failed, but, uh, you know, there's, there's, there were some old-time cowboys that said it was a shame that we failed. Kind of like Charlton Heston wielding a sword, wielding a sword at... Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, uh, Spewing profanity at Sam Peckinpah. Yeah. Peckinpah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Well, and I also think back to DeMille's control issue... I think one of the experiences, and I've said this, I've repeated this story many times on the show, is uh, DeMille shooting the huge epic, and uh, it was a, with a horse, uh, a, a scene of horse, men on horses, and so he said, I want to make sure that I get this shot no matter what, so I'm, I'm going to put a camera buried in the ground uh, so the horses run over it, and then I'm going to have another shot um, with a, uh, uh, a, a, on a truck. And then the last shot is going to be, it was down a canyon, up on the lip of the canyon, looking down into the canyon. And so he calls, you know, action, and the scene commences, and it, it ends up, and he goes to each cameraman independently, and he, he goes to the cameraman who had the camera in the ground, and he says, I'm sorry, Chief, but, but the, the horse is trampled it. It's completely destroyed. He goes, ah, it's not a problem. we got two other cameras. So he goes to the truck, and he goes, uh, so what do you got there, and Charlie? And he says, uh, boss, I'm sorry, but the, the power went out in the camera. The whole truck died. The power in the truck died, and we didn't get anything. We only got the very beginning. He says, ah, it's okay. I got the overhead shot. It's all right. So he walks down the canyon, and he looks up to where that camera is uh, with the crew there standing behind it way on top of the hill, and he goes, Charlie, uh, Jimmy, what, what do you got? He goes, anytime you're ready, boss. <laughs> well, you know, this, this is a great thing. This just show you, though, because we've been quite a negative about DeMille, but a 40, 50-year-old, 50 50-year 50 stuntman, Danny Sands, worked with DeMille from the very beginning all the way through to DeMille's last up. Danny was a sweet guy, good horseman, and, you know, little guy but fearless. But he also couldn't act, and everybody loved to give him parts because he made great outtakes. <laughs> now, let's, I want to I want to mention some these couple of little pissy amp things about about Cooper, but I think they're neat. And uh, he had a uh, oh yeah, in September of two thousand nine, there was a commemorative. I can't even say that commemorative. Word. Thank you, Harry. Postage stamp with his image on it. And I think that is so neat. You know, how many people can say, yeah, I licked Jared Gary Cooper? <laughs> and, and then Thank this you, is, Bunker. Thank you. Thank, thank you. And you know, this, is, this is interesting. American Film Institute uh, listed Cooper at number 11 out of 25 greatest male stars of classic Hollywood cinema. And, I mean, I think he should have been higher, but I don't know who the other ten are, so I really, I really shouldn't say. Well, let's talk about uh, the the movie that everybody seems to be familiar with, and that would be High Noon. What movie? Uh, you know, yeah, that one up High Noon. High Noon. High Noon, I think it was. Noon to three. Something like that, yeah. Sun over the high noon. Uh, forsake me. Moon over Miami. Uh, yeah, you know. Oh, Tex Ritter. You know. Tex Ritter. Tex Ritter. There you. You know, I'll tell you what. I saw that movie in uh, uh, Alamogordo, New Mexico, when I was living there for when a it, short time. When it was first and, released, and uh, yeah, and, and well, you know, I, I got out of school, and it was, you know, I didn't. You know, I was one of those kids that never went home. I went to the movie theater and I watched that. And I come out, and I went, well, that <laughs> you know, I don't care what people thought about the politics, because I don't care about politics anyway, but it did what a movie's supposed to do. It entertained you, yeah. you know. Whether the, and I don't care about messages either. And, you know, you, Fred Zinnemann, you know, and Carl Foreman. Uh, what have we got to say about this? And, of course, you know, he, uh, Dimitri Tompkins uh, 
score and Tex Ritter singing. You know, that sets the movie. The sad thing is Frankie Lane got all the glory because the movie was tied up for some reason, and Diomkin wanted to want some cash flow. He got Lane. They cut a copy of it, but that did help the movie a lot. I, yeah. you know, I really do. I think it got a lot of people into the theater. And you know, let, let, let's just let's visit the cast because again, that's one of the things about Cooper's movies is they were well, almost all well cast. You know, you had Cooper, Thomas Mitchell, Lloyd Bridges, uh, Katie Geraldo, the wonderful, beautiful, awesome Katie Geraldo, Grace Kelly, I'm going to be on, uh, <laughs> Otto Kruger, Ron Chaney Jr. as the old sheriff. And, I mean, there's a guy who's so, you know, every, he's the wolf man. He's a guy, when he played those parts like he did that the old sheriff, I mean, he could break your heart. He was good. He was very good. Yeah, well, he does break your heart, Bunker. There's no doubt about it. Uh, Harry he absolutely Morgan breaks your heart in the chair. Harry absolutely. Morgan, uh, Shub Wobley is one of the bad guys. Lee Van Cleef. Lee Van Cleef. And I think this is. Absolutely. I think it might have been his first witcher. Bob Wilkie. You know, I mean, what a what a group of henchmen. Uh, Harry Shannon. Let's skip over a bunch of these people here. Is she? Oh, uh, uh, right. Blake's dad was the bartender in that. You know, he, he that's one, right. One punch that's knockout. That's right, Larry Blake. Larry one, Blake. One punch knockout. You know, I thought that's because we did a, a show kind of about that. Uh, uh, Chubby Johnson was in there. Jack Elam. Uh, just going on and on and on and on. And I'll see if I can go on and stuff. I'm going to skip the rest of these. Well, it's a great cast, no question. And well, I think it's a great movie, too. Oh, yeah. Obviously. I think it's a great movie. And as you were talking about, Frankie Lane got all the credit for the song. But so did Stanley Kramer get all the credit for the film. Because, yeah. you know, um, when when he died, when Stanley Kramer died, you know, uh, and they did, you know, the verbal obituary on, tele, on, on the news, you know, uh, the producer of High Noon has died. You know, he won the Oscar for High Noon. Uh, he made a lot of other films that were great, great films, but mm-hmm. somehow we forget about Fred Zinnemann and Carl Foreman, who, for Foreman, it was a very personal, personal film. Uh, there's a lot of conflict there for some people as opposed to others. Um, but I, I think, you know, to me, the biggest problem that I have, not with the film, is with people talking about the film, is when they inevitably say, you know, I I sure don't like it that, uh, you know, in this movie, Gary Cooper, you know, he's marrying his granddaughter. And I'm like, well, first of all, if you knew anything about the Old West, you knew that men married women who were much younger than them often. Uh, there was a, it was a mutual agreement because that meant security for the woman. And for the man, he was trying to, he didn't maybe have one or maybe his wife died or you know, the first wife died for whatever reason. You know what? I'm going to go out and get myself a second right. wife. This one's going to be younger and healthier. Yeah. Well, you know, that wasn't all about That's the way the West was. It wasn't all about sex. Some of these old guys were married four and five I times because they just wore them out and worked them to <laughs> death. It yeah. wasn't all about sex. They did. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. So when I always hear that, oh, it's like a dirty old man. No. I always say, well, okay, it's good to see you know your history. <laughs> Another cocktail, please. Um, you know, but you have all those people who love to stick their nose in things without doing any research. And the other thing that drives me crazy about it is when people say, well, why doesn't the town step up with him? Well, um, my God, you know, how many times did we see that happen? It happened several times, but not all the time. It sure didn't. And there were a lot of sheriffs and marshals that were left, you know, on their own. Holding the bag. Of course, the one who hated this film more than anyone else, truly, truly despised the film, was Howard Hawks, which is he made Rio Bravo as an answer to High Noon. He said, you know, a few years ago, Greg Peck made a film where he was walking around town begging people to help him fight some outlaws. And obviously not a professional. That character. The characters are obviously not professional. Yeah. So and that's why he made High Noon. Well, he, I mean, Bravo. Bravo. he took it so personally 
that he went on and made the same film two, two more times yeah. with El Dorado and Rio Lobo. He did it right the first just time. To make, just, he absolutely did. Absolutely did. Just to get the point. Uh, although I will say El Dorado <laughs> is funny. It's it is a fun funny. movie. Yeah, you know, I want to I want to go back to uh, the early days again before he was an actor. And all all right. right. I'm getting the finger wave. Does that mean we're ready? That for means a break? we could do a break, but do it quick. Oh, okay. Well, here's the thing. Uh, where are we here? Oh, okay. Um, in 19 in 23, the summers of 22 and 23, uh, young Gary Cooper worked. Or actually, young Frank Gary Cooper. Worked at Yellowstone National Park as a tour guide driving a yellow open-top bus. That just shows you, you know, it's not like, you know, he wasn't like coming from a great background. Uh, in 1924, living in Helena, he sold editorial cartoons to the Independent, which was a newspaper there. And that was, that was he that was kind of the way he thought he would make a living when he moved to California. Yes, he tried, kept trying to get jobs with the newspapers as a cartoonist and, and couldn't do it. And that brings us up to the break. We'll be back with much more, or to actually to wrap up Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. Gary Cooper is the subject. We'll be back after this. Arizona, the land of cattle, copper, and cowboys. It's also the true west where a large number of westerns were filmed. For your next vacation, come out to where Wyatt Earp made a name for himself as a highly respected sheriff. Stay where Jimmy Stewart filmed Winchester 73. That would be the White Stallion Ranch. Situated in the mountains just northwest of Tucson, the White Stallion Ranch is an award-winning dude ranch with 43 guest rooms and a hacienda. That's a five-bedroom, three-bathroom home, perfect for larger families, family reunions, and girlfriend getaways. Every guest room has a private patio with views of the cactus gardens, mountains, or corrals. Generous floor plans offer sunny, comfortable rooms, but you won't want to stay in your room. Outdoor activities are plentiful at the White Stallion Ranch. Horseback riding, hiking, shooting, archery, rock climbing, e-biking, and a weekly ranch rodeo are among the numerous activities that you'll enjoy on your ranch vacation. Go Western for your next getaway. The White Stallion Ranch. Book your vacation now online at whitestallionranch.com or call 520-297-0252. Are you looking for a smart way to invest your hard-earned dollars? Look no further than Wilkinson Wealth Management. This is an investment firm that works for you based on your expectations, not what the stock market says. This is a firm that wants you as a client, not just as a customer. This is a firm that lets you design a portfolio for when you need it. It's a new name, but the same great service you've come to expect. Imus Wilkinson is now Wilkinson Wealth Management. 7411 East Tancoverde in Tucson. 520-777-1911. Hello, I'm Mr. Red. No doubt you've heard about rescue groups for dogs and cats, but did you know there's a rescue group for horses? That's right, it's called Horse It Around Rescue. Founders Steve Boyce and Teresa Worrell are helping out all those equine victims of neglect and cruelty by giving them a place to restore their health and wellness. And Horse It Around provides a nurturing and natural environment where horses can be horses, so they can be adopted out into forever homes. More than 120 horses, mules, and donkeys have been adopted out, but like everything else, it costs money to run the project. Horse It Around is a 501c3 nonprofit located in Southeast Arizona. Your tax-deductible donations to Horse It Around will go a long way so those horses can be horses. Check out the website, horseitaroundrescue.org. Make a difference in a horse's life. That's horseitaroundrescue.org. Hi, this is Craig Morgan with a special message for all those who have served in the U.S. Army. The National Museum of the United States Army, to be built at Fort Belvoir, Virginia, will include the Soldier's Registry, an electronic record of Americans who have worn the Army uniform, recognizing their service. I've already added my story to the registry. I hope you'll add yours. To learn more and to make your story a permanent part of the National Army Museum, visit armyhistory.org. Would have to get caught at a time like this, Harvey. I've got orders for over a thousand head of horses at double the usual price. Oh, I'm sorry, boss. It never happened before, though. We did all right on the other three raids, didn't we? There are four men standing between us and a fortune. The sheriff, 
and the three musketeers. I want them out of the way. How you do it is your own business. Now you're talking, Rance. This is the Voices of the West. Voices of the West, Bunker singing along with the song. You know Billy the Kid. Ken Mater? <laughs> yeah. I thought so. I love Ken Mater. All right. Smooth voice. Yeah. All right. We're back on Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. Harry Alexander, Bunker to France, Todd Roberts. In Not in Los Angeles, but up in the Grand Canyon this Don't time. Don't fall in. Don't you fall know, in, my friend. You know, yes, I, I just want to, to in the, fall in the big hole. Yeah, <laughs> I just want to make sure that I get this name in there because I couldn't remember it earlier. That's J. Slim Talbot, which all the stunt guys, I should have known the name. I don't know. Well, you, you knock know, myself in the head for not remembering it. You know, we, we don't want to do that because then that might jar some other things. So. Oh, there's not much to jar up there. But, you know, he was really a clear, close friend of Cooper. And even more important, he was a hunting buddy. Did Gary Cooper get in too much trouble uh, when he was one of the founders of the, uh, what was it, uh, the stuff in Hollywood when they went looking for the communists? Not really, because, you know, the, the guys that were... Uh, Pro USA, they came out smelling like roses, you know. I mean, af- you know, after after the fact, but Hollywood being af- Hollywood after the fact really generally isn't isn't too punitive. It was the guys that, uh, that didn't cooperate or the guys that said, "Hey, this is about the First Amendment," and you know, it, they they lost careers were careers, lives were ruined, people killed themselves. It was a dark day, and uh, you know it's a sad day too. Todd Roberts, what's the well, best? What's the best Gary Cooper film that one can watch? Well, I'm going to go against the grain and say that I think it's Man of the West. Uh, I just it, it 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 I can't watch the film without becoming uncomfortable, especially once he 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 finds himself back with his old crew, which is uh, Doc. As uh, being uh, uh, um, uh, Lee J. Cobb and his uh, ragtag group of, shall I say, quasi brothers, being Jack Lord and John Denher, it's uncomfortable uh, because they're such deviant um, miscreants, and he's changed and left all that behind. Um, and I just love the film. Uh, and Julie London is gorgeous. And I understand now why Bobby Troop was constantly smiling. Uh, and, uh, you know, and Lee J. Cobb is just, he's so, he, he that, where he finds that character, I, I don't know. Magnificent. Dug, you know, people always talk about 12 Angry Men or this film or that film by Cobb. But that, that character is as... I don't know, I, I don't have the words to completely describe it, but I'll call it an evil that has no bounds. Interesting. He it's had, a masterpiece. And he, he, yeah, it truly is. It truly is a masterpiece. And and let's let's give somewhere that that where some of that, that masterpiece belongs. It's at the feet of Anthony Mann, who directs it, who was one of the great, great filmmakers of all time, and started out in film noir, and then made all those great Jimmy... Stuart Westerns, uh, including Chester 73, showing the underbelly of humanity. And, uh, Bunker, quickly, what is your best Gary Cooper film? The Man of the West is in there, but it's kind of a trio. Garden of Evil, The Hanging Tree, and They Came to Kedora. And I think Kedora is the top one. Okay, so the watch words for our, or listen words for our audience Find a Gary Cooper movie and watch it because it's you're going to like it. It's his birthday. Vera Cruz. Vera Cruz, guys. See, there Vera you Cruz. go. You're going to like it. Yeah. Trust us. And Billy Bob Thornton says that it's high noon. He's, he has to watch it at least once a month. See? 
And, you know, you just lift it, lift it cool, and whether it's a beer or a shot of whiskey, say happy April birthday. Six voices of the Until West. next time.